Amen. Let's pray and let's get started, okay? okay? Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We bless you, we honor you, we exalt you, and we lift you up. First of all, we are so thankful for Jesus because Jesus paid the price so that we can cry, Abba, Father. We thank you that our identity has been restored. We have been made new in Christ Jesus. We thank you for Holy Spirit because you lead God and direct us into all truth. And Holy Spirit, we invite you today to come and do just that. Every place that we are out of alignment, bring us into alignment. We thank you for the Bible that gives us instruction, correction, and doctrine. And we thank you for this church, this ministry for that is called for this time to teach the people of God to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. We declare that this is our day of change. We will never be the same again, and we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, welcome to all of our first-time visitors. I see several of you said that in the comment section. I see our greeters and everybody has responded. We hope you will enjoy this teaching because it has been life-changing to be honest, not only for us, but for several people have reached out over the course of the last three weeks. Uh, we've been teaching this series called How to Walk with God, Getting God's Guidance. And uh, over the last three weeks, we have established several uh, key components, right? One of the key components we established that it is God's will to guide us. It is God's will. It is Everybody God's put that in the will comment. to guide us. It is God's will to guide us. And not only is it God's will to guide us, but scripture solidifies the fact that God wants to guide us and lead us in the direction that we should go. Absolutely. And that we solidify the fact that when we partner with God, right, when, when, when we get on God's side, when we allow him to be God in our life, that it doesn't mean that we will not face obstacles. It doesn't mean that we will not face challenges. What it does mean is that we already know the final outcome because with God, we win. With God, with we, God win. we win. He has given us the victory. Absolutely. And then we spent a week or so just talking about, okay, it's God's will to guide us. We know God wants to guide and lead us, but what is my part to play? And we kind of jumped into the actions that we need to take in order to solidify this walk with God because it's important to know that yes, God wants to guide me, but we say partnering with God, that means that both people have a part to play. So what was my part? And we went through and we talked and we talked about all the things that we needed to do, the actions. The Bible says that uh, faith without works is what? Dead. Dead, being alone. So we said, okay, we know we got to have faith that God wants to lead us, but then what's our action to it? But one of the things we know about faith is that there's a believing component that goes along with faith. That faith is faith begins, we said, where the will of God is known. But how, but we also understand that just because we know the will of God doesn't mean we're seeing it in the natural. So then That's we good. have to have a believing uh, prayerfulness for God's guidance. How what 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 is my mindset? And I was thinking about what Ralph was teaching the last couple of weeks. What does my mindset need to be? in order to make sure that I'm staying in a position to do the things necessary to allow God to guide That's me. That's good. Because God's a gentleman. God's a gentleman. He's not going to come in and grab us by the nape of the neck and drag us to follow him. He leads us by his word. And one of the things we said is that he leads us and it's a learning as you go process. It's a learning as you go. And so I have to I have to I have to be believing in God 
even when it doesn't seem like it's working. I think about when we were turning our marriage around all of those years ago. And when God had spoke to you and he spoke to me individually about the things we needed to do, we had to have a believing prayerfulness that by trusting and doing what he told us to do, we'd be where we are today. Mm -hmm. If we never believed that, we would have gave up. And I think that's what happens. People, we, we go, really we go, God wants to guide me. Yes, God wants to guide me. And it sounds great and it's true, but then we don't have any believing prayerfulness for it because our mindset's not right. The first time trouble comes, well, I guess God didn't want me, didn't, didn't want to guide me. Or how could or we say things like, God, how could you lead me in this direction? Because we don't have a believing prayerfulness uh, toward God guiding us. So yes, God wants to guide us. Yes, there are actions that we must take, but today we want to talk about the mindset we got to have, this believing prayerfulness for how God does it. And one of the ways you can indicate, you can judge yourself. The Bible says if you judge yourself, you don't have to be judged. Right. You don't have to be disappointed because you can honestly assess yourself. One of the ways that you know you have a believing prayerfulness is that when you are talking to God, you're not begging. You're not begging. You're not begging. Yes. You're you're not begging, and you're also not. You're not wondering at every step of the way. God, is this really you? God, are you going to show? You know, you have a believing prayerfulness for me. But you're also not salty like. God, here I am asking again. Right. It's not that, oh, why is this not happening for me like it's happening for everybody else? Really, I see believing prayerfulness is like this. Who else would I ask? Yeah. That, but to me, that's what believing prayerfulness looks like to me. There is no one else who has my solution. And so in the natural, if someone has your solution, you ask until you get clarity, mm. right? So because no one else has my answer but God, the Bible says in Luke 18, it says that men ought to always pray and not faint, right? So I keep coming, not because I'm begging. I keep coming because you're the only one who has the answer. And because I believe you want to answer me, if an answer seems delayed or if there are pieces missing, I don't think there's something you withholding from me. I think I'm growing and becoming to get more perfected in hearing you. So when we begin to talk about this believing prayerfulness for God's guidance, what is the scripture? What is the word that God uses to wrap to, to wrap me into this idea that I should be having this believing prayerfulness for his guidance? And it's found in Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10 is verse um, uh, 35 through 36. Look at what it says. It says, cast not away, therefore your what? Confidence. Well, what confidence do I have? What we've been talking about the last three weeks. I have confidence God wants to lead me. I have confidence that God wants to guide me. I have confidence that if I partner with God, Every situation I face, he will eventually bring me out on top. All I have to do is not give up, not cave in, and not quit. That with God, all things are possible. I have confidence that God is working on my behalf. He says, so no matter what comes your way, do not cast away that believing. Do not cast away that confidence. He says, why? Because with that kind of confidence in your father, he says it comes with a great recompense or a great repayment attached to a reward. He says, if you will not throw away 
what what you have said you believe the last three weeks at the first sight of trouble, there's a payday attached to it. Most people don't get the payday because they give up before it's Friday. <laughs> if you're supposed to get paid on Friday, you give up on Wednesday. No, you got to keep working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and get your payday on that Friday. Spiritually speaking, the, the payday is going to show up because God said it was. That's the my that's my prayerfulness. That's my believing prayerfulness in his guidance. He says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For if you have need, he says, for you do, you have need of patience. And we talk about this word patience and patience doesn't mean what you was talking about sitting around, not believing, sitting around. Oh, God, why is me? He says you have need of patience. That word patience there, if you look it up in Strong's, is the word consistency. He says you have need of consistency. In fact, you ought to type that in the comments. Say I have need for consistency. Consistency is the thing that allows you to keep your confidence. If you lose your consistency, it's easy to lose your confidence. He says, but you have need of this confidence. He says, so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After you have done the will of God. How do you know you've done the will of God? Your promise shows up. If you haven't seen the manifestation of the promise, you need to keep doing what God has instructed you to do. That's how you keep the consistency. Man, this is such a good scripture. It says, cast not away your confidence. My confidence must be in the will of God, not my desire. Yes. Somebody needs to put that. You need to resonate with that because this is what I think happens for people so much. I think they take Mark 11 out of context. It says, if you pray for anything, you can have that thing. First John, where it says all of that stuff. And so many times people are asking for things that God never said that he would do. And they're trying to press and pray for those things to happen. And they end up in a place of disappointment. I'm going to use this again, because anytime we're talking about faith, we, it's so important. There is a difference between God telling you that you will get a new job and God telling you that you will get a specific job. Many times when people decide that they want something, they say, I want this job right here, or I want to get married this year, or I want X to happen this way. And then they attempt to attach their faith to their time period or the particular thing that they want, right? And then when it does not happen that way, they feel like God failed them. But he says you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, not the will of Sean, mm -hmm. not the will of Edwin, not the will of your mama, not the will of your daddy, that you will receive the promise. And that's so good because doing the will of God includes doing it the way God said. Doing it the way God said, do it. So it's not just enough to hear that God wants something from me. It is imperative that I do it the way that God said it. That's why I have to lean into God's guidance because I don't want people to be disappointed because they decide that they want something. They decide they want a particular house, a particular job, a particular whatever. And now they're like, oh, well, if it's not that way, then God doesn't love me or he doesn't care about me. It says your confidence has to be in that God knows what's best for you. 
that everything God has for you is good and that you have the consistency to do it God's way so you can receive what God said. Amen. Amen. And so what we want to do is we want to walk with you um, through um, a couple of principles that are important for you to establish the right mindset so that as God is leading you and tough times show up, you don't give up you don't cave in, you don't quit, you don't become inconsistent, and you don't find another will to satisfy other than God. Mm, mm. So, 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 so we want to share these principles with you because you have to get this kind of mindset because being born again, and let me say, let me look right in the camera when I say this, being born again does not exempt you from life's troubles. Being a born again believer doesn't mean you won't have problems. What it means is that you have a father who has already walked through every problem you could ever face and can guide you through that problem successfully over the pitfalls, over the ditches, over the hurdles, because he knows the way. And so you have to be willing to follow even when it doesn't make sense. But you can only do that if these principles we're going to talk about this morning get solidified in your, in your soul right? In your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. Your spirit man wants to go. Your spirit man is going to follow. The issue is, are we going to get this soul to connect with your spirit man so we can drag your body along? Yes. So yes. the first thing you have to do in this believing prayerfulness for God's guidance to establish the right mindset is you must acknowledge the preeminence of God. You must acknowledge the preeminence of God. Well, Pastor Edwin, what do you mean by the preeminence of God? Well, the word eminent means to be first. It means to be in first place. If something is eminent, that means it is, it is more pressing than anything else. The word pre means before. So if you put these two words together, it means to be before whatever is first. Yes. So you must acknowledge that this will of God that you talked about, that we must be willing to do in the way he wants us to do it, God's will must become, and I must acknowledge that his word and his way of doing things and in his being, everything about him in relationship to me is before whatever I think is first. Before whatever it's before, I think is what, first. I don't, I, well, I think this is first. I think this is first. I think faith is first. I think love is first. Whatever that is, God is first. Oh, I, I want to make it plain. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things that I ask you pretty much five times a week, mm -hmm. I say, um, what do I say to you? Do you love me? I say, do you love me? Mm -hmm. And then I say what? I say, yes. And then I say what? But do you love me? Do you love me? And I say, do you love me most? Yes. And you, I say, am I your favorite girl? And, I and say, he's, yes. yes. And you say, I love, and you say, like in 28 years, you say the same thing. I love you more than everything but Jesus. Everything but Jesus. Everything but Jesus. I say to you, I love you more than everything but Jesus. So I want to break this down to you that you have to put God before your husband. Yes. You have to put God before your kids. You have to put God before your job. You have to put God before your own lust and desires. He must become preeminent. 
he is more important than whatever you previously thought was more important. And, and, and because we are a teaching ministry, let me help you so you don't run away uh, today thinking we said something we didn't say. My wife did not say church was more important than your family. She did not say church was more important than your husband. She did not say church was more important than your kids. She said God was. And I think people get the two mixed up. You think because God's supposed to be uh, preeminent and he is, that that means you got to miss your kid's graduation because y'all having a revival at the church. That is not what we're saying. That is not, what, that we're is saying. not what we're saying. I don't want anybody to get confused. I don't want you to get mixed up. We said that God should be number one. That means whatever God says is what you should do. Just because there's activities at the church to be done doesn't mean that you got to be at every single one of them missing what else is important in your life. And I just think that's important because people get it mixed up and pastors get it mixed up. They're like, oh, no, God's supposed to be first. You need to be at my anniversary service. I don't care that your kid playing in the state championship game. That's crazy. That, that's not what we're saying. And, I, and I'm harping on it because I can only shepherd the people who are here. But I see this misuse in the body of Christ so much that I want you to know that ain't what we're saying. That is not what we're saying. And I, on the other side, want to say this, that many of you exalt your family yes. above God. <laughs> right. What do I mean by that? God has said to you, don't give them any more money. Mm -hmm. God has said to you, you're, you're coming. God has said to you, make your kids come to church with you. Make your kids come <laughs> to like, church well, I want with them you. To decide. Well, when they get 18 on their own, they can decide. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's it's this it's this balance, right? It is. it is to say, listen, I love my family. I'm not going to miss important moments for my kids for to go to church. I'm also not going to exalt my kids so that they think they're more important than God. Right. I'm not going to exalt my husband so that my husband thinks he's more important than God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to honor God. I'm going to take care of my family. But this is the one thing everybody should know about you if you are born again believer. That if you ever ask me to pick between you and God, you're going to lose, you lose every single time. Every time. Every you're time. going to lose every single time. Time. And you should feel that way. You, you should, should feel, feel that, that way. way because you must acknowledge, number one, you must acknowledge the preeminence of God. I'm not going to read all this, but I want you to look at Colossians 1.15. I'll read a few of these verses, 1.15 through 19, in case you are writing this down. Here's what it says. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Everybody put in the comments, they say it's 77 of y'all on here. Put, he is before all things. That's what it says. He, I need 77 people to type 
He is above all things because we have to reset this because so much of the problem in the body of Christ is that we believe our desires are above uh, all mm, things. Mm. We believe it because we want something to happen a certain way. We believe our desire to curse people out is more is above all things. We believe that our desire to get the car right now is above all things, but he is above all things. This is the order of God that he is above all things. It's funny because we've joked about this before. You know, I've said it before. I said in my hierarchy is God, right? And then it's Sean Money, right? Oh. <laughs> it's, oh. it's, it, God, I mean, God, there's space between you and God. Show God, me God it's God's right here, okay? And then it's Sean, okay, then Money, all right? I mean, I mean, it is those, but it's in proper order. It's God, right? Space, shunt, money. And I said, I always have to put space because although I love you to pieces, right? God has to be first place. And that's how it should be in all of our lives. Not the, not the shun money part. However you, however you do it after God, that's, that's on you. But it's God should be first. No, but I love that because I always say, why are, why do you have money above the kids? And you say, because I can't take care of the kids if I don't have right. money. If, it's, if, 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 if it's I don't God, have money, I can't take care of money. Me and you have, me and you have been together. I need you to stop saying shun money like that. I'm telling you, I, I need you to get some Me and you have been Freedom together. School. Me and you have been together without money. <laughs> so I know it's God shun money. <laughs> No, but I think that's important. And I think that many of you have never really established, you know, let, let's say I want to give you this example of, about preeminence, right? The preeminence. You may have somebody that you really, really love. I want you to hear what I'm saying. You really, really love this person. But this person is walking in rebellion with God. <laughs> this is Shamani. Shamani. What is what in the world? Now these people go be Shamani. God Shamani. Like what in the world is happening out here? Right? So you may you may have people that you deeply love, mm -hmm. right? And um and 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 they are walking in rebellion toward God. And I want you to hear me. You can be in church every single day walking in rebellion toward God. Mm -hmm. And and I'm gonna give you. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. This, well, let me give you this. He did not say money, Sean. Uh uh. You need to fix that, man. He did say not say money, Sean. He said Sean money. No man. I did not. <laughs> so I, I'll give you this example. Um, me and Pastor Edward were talking this morning, and I can honestly say that no matter what tough times we have been in, mm -hmm. the times have always been better with you. Absolutely. Okay, so I just want to walk you through this, okay? So let's say you marry somebody that God <laughs> told you not to marry. Nate got jokes. Okay, oh, okay, okay Nate. Nate. We, we'll see you later. <laughs> um, let, let, let's, say, um, let's say you marry somebody God told you not to marry, uh -huh. or you marry them outside of the timing that God told you not to to, ma to marry them in, okay? Right, right. Because it is possible to marry the right person at the wrong time, mm -hmm. okay? So now you are having these economic challenges because you married, because you chose your desire mm. over the preeminence mm, of God, yes. okay? You chose your desire, so you ignored what God said. So now, even though you're in church doing the right things, 
You're struggling in this marriage. You're struggling financially. Nothing is working for you, right? And a lot of times what people think is that they think that because they love Jesus, he should immediately rescue them from their disobedience. Mm. But this is the harvest for doing what God told you not to do. Mm. And I think that when, that many times we don't understand, and you know, we haven't talked about this and I hope it's what we're gonna get into, but when you talked about the three things that we are in the season for, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one of those things is reckoning. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people don't understand that there are hard times are a result of their disobedience mm -hmm. and their disobedience came because God wasn't first. Yes. Because there was something you valued more than you value God. And now in order to have it, there's a certain amount of suffering that you have to walk mm -hmm. through because the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no, no sorrow. sorrow to so this sorrow is the result of you doing it your own way. Oh my God. There have been times even in our life, right? where we created sorrow because instead of doing something God's way, we did it our own way. And I think the thing that people forget is that there is a cycle of blessing and consequences that nobody is exempt from. Yep. And so there are times that people are struggling and it's like, um, you, let, me, let me just say this. If you, as a woman, I want to speak to you as a woman. If you marry a man, either with no gumption mm. or no real value to be a good husband. Mm -hmm. I don't care what he promised you. He go take you down through there. Mm -hmm. If you marry a man with no gumption, that man is perfectly content to let you struggle and carry the weight of the finances and the family. You're the financier, you're the disciplinarian, and you having to take care of him. And you say, well, I wanted to be married and it's not good for man mm -hmm. to be alone. Do you see that misappropriation of yeah. scripture? So I use a scripture that says, it's not good for man to be alone in order to um, place God's instruction underneath my desire. So I use a scripture, which is exactly what Satan does. He uses a scripture to justify disobedience, right? So now I married this person that I never should have been with, or I at least shouldn't be right through now. And I'm going through my money's dwindling. My credit score is dwindling. My health is dwindling. I got headaches all the time. And I think I can just pray for the marriage to be better, except I'm now sitting in the consequences of not making God preeminent. If you're sitting in the consequences of not making God preeminent, repent, change directions, and do something different. People talk about you made that bed, now you got to lie in it. You do until you repent. God's not punishing you to lie in that bed forever, but you got to make a change. You got to make a change. So number one, you got to make sure that you acknowledge the preeminence of God first in your life if you're going to be able to walk this path of believing God to guide you. Which gets us to number two, we must affirm to God our dependence on him for scriptural guidance. Mm. This goes right back to what I just said. If I don't affirm my dependence on God for scriptural guidance, I will use scripture to get what I want. Mm -hmm. And so Psalm, 70, Psalm 73 and 26, it says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, mm -hmm. right? Proverbs 16 and 9 says, in, the, in their hearts, baby, I love this scripture right mm -hmm. here. Humans plan their course. Yes, but it's the but Lord. But the Lord establishes their steps. Mm -hmm. 
The Lord establishes their steps. And here is one of the ways that you can determine your own dependence on the Lord and his for scriptural guidance. Let's say right now today, the thing you have been praying for to have, to achieve, to accomplish is presented to you. And it looks perfect in all its packaging. It is everything. It is the job. It is the person. It is the house. And it looks perfect. But as you are standing there, the Lord says, don't touch that. Your next move determines whether you live with one and two. Mm -hmm. And we want to be people that if if, 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 if the prize was standing in front of us with a perfect bow, And the Lord said, don't touch that. We don't have to have no 27 conversations. We don't call 37 people. We say the Lord said, don't touch it. And I'm going to walk away because I believe that he is more important than anything else I could want. I asked somebody that one time I was getting ready to do a a wedding and was in the back and was just checking on everybody and, and was just, just, I asked the bride, I said, Hey, I said, if I told you, that God said, right now, you shouldn't marry this person, what would you do? And she looked at me and she said, I would be very sad. She said, but I will go out there and tell everybody that we're about to have a party, not a wedding. And I said, well, he didn't say it. I just want to know what she would say. And she can, we both kind of laugh. But you could, you could see the, the, the panic rose up. But, but she understood that if God said this, no matter how bad I want it, I wouldn't do it. And I think that's the place we need to get to. If God said it, I don't care how bad I want it. I will walk away. I want you to ask God to do that in your heart right now. Mm -hmm. To do that in your heart right now. I, I want you to say, God, Holy Spirit, burn up anything in me that prefers anything or anybody over you, mm-hmm. anything or anybody over you. Now, what we can say is that we've lived long enough because the old folks say keep living, right? Mm-hmm. We've lived long enough to know that if you do it God's way, the way that God rewards you is going to be Ephesians 3.20. Mm-hmm. It is going to be exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And, you know, I just, I believe one of the reasons that, you know, when you begin, you are not a person who normally talks about things like reckoning. Right. That is, that's typically my language that you need to deal with the consequence. When, when, when people like you begin to talk about reckoning an account, I literally just want to stand on a roof and scream to everybody, turn around. Anything that you are doing that the Lord told you not to do, anybody you are with that the Lord told you not to be with, this is the time to run. And you have to really even look at the way that God gave us those words. He didn't start with reckoning. He did not. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't come out like the big bad boogie bear saying, "I'm about to get everybody," you know, or "I'm about to reward everybody." Because reckoning is not just about what it's not just good or bad. Reckoning is recompense, is pain. He starts with the word reformation. Reformation. He says, "I need there to be a reformation of man's heart. Mm-hmm. I want man to turn first. I don't want man to have to receive." a negative consequence. I want man to receive what I've already prepared for him. And so, yes, we've talked about this this, this, this reckoning that's happening, that's coming, but understand God always wants to reform first. 
So if you've been a person who, who said, you know what, I, I love God, but I want what I want. And, and, and if God don't want me to have it, I'm sorry, but I, I got to get it. It's what I want. Even if you haven't said it out of your mouth, if your actions look like it, you can repent today and say, you know what? No, God, I don't want anything you don't want me to have. No matter how bad I want it. No matter how bad. <laughs> because I don't have to. Sometimes you want it bad. I do not have to lie to myself and say I don't want it. I can say I want it so bad but I don't want it so bad that I would take it over you. We got to be real with ourselves. That's what we got to say. I want it so bad. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Not, not so much now, but years ago, I wanted so bad to move from this place. I want it so bad to go somewhere else other than Northwest Arkansas. I wanted to go somewhere else other than Arkansas, but God kept saying, I need you here right now. And so did, did, did the desire go away? It didn't go away, but I learned to want what God wanted more than what I than what I desired for myself. Because if you don't do that, even if you, watch this, even if you say, I'm going to stay, but you never get to the place where I want what God wants more, it just becomes torment. Because mm. you're doing it, but mm. you've never fixed it. You've never fixed on the inside of you that I actually want what God wants more for me than I want for myself. You never fix it. And because you never fix it, what happens is you stay in a place, but you're disgruntled the whole time. So even though you're there, you're not getting any pleasure. You know, there's no glory. There's nothing happening there. It's, it's, it's this idea of, yes, I wanted to leave Arkansas. But God, I wanted to please you so much more. So if I want to please you so much more, then I'm going to stay here knowing there's a recompense. There's a reward coming for me obeying you. And that's where my joy comes from. Not that I had to put down my desire. That is where people need to get to. And you may start, like you said, at the point where I'm just obeying. Yep. But the Bible says he will turn our hearts mm -hmm. if we will allow him to. And I remember for both of us, because, heck, I wanted to, baby, I've been wanting to leave Arkansas since I was four years old, swinging in a swing, watching airplanes fly over. Okay, that's how long I've been wanting to leave Arkansas. But I remember getting to the point one day where I said, I just want to be wherever you are. I just want to be wherever you are. Because, guys, one of the... Um, Two stories in the Bible that I think that we can look at. The Bible says that when the um, rich young ruler, he left his father, he wanted the stuff. He didn't want to be under his father's dominion. He just wanted his father's stuff. So his father gives him the inheritance and he goes out and what oh, happens? The prodigal son. The prodigal son. Yeah. What did I say? The rich young ruler. Oh, prodigal son. Prodigal right, son. my bad. And he goes out and he literally, because he doesn't have the father's wisdom, because he doesn't have any guidance, he literally ends up losing everything the father gives him and he ends up in a pig pen. But there's a very important part that comes to it says he and he came, came to, to himself. himself now this is what we know from scripture we know that from scripture that he was under demonic influence mm -hmm. how did he get under demonic influence he was led away by the lust of his own mm -hmm. flesh mm -hmm. we don't know how long he was gone he wanted his father's stuff but he didn't want his father's authority 
mm. and direction and guidance. Mm. He just wanted his stuff. That's how some people are. They just want God's stuff. You want God's they stuff. They don't want God's authority. They don't want his direction. They don't want his accountability in their life. They just want his stuff. They want his stuff. And the problem with getting his stuff without him, that sometimes the harvest is fast and sometimes it's slow, but there's going to be a harvest. Now, I want to tie this to another story. And you almost always squander it. You're going to squander it. You're, <laughs> You're going to squander it. always squander it. Now, another place that you can see this in the Old Testament is that when God first encounters Moses, he asked Moses to be his spokesperson. Moses is adamant that he can't do what God already knows mm -hmm. he wants to do. So he asked for Aaron to come, mm -hmm. right? Fast forward. Do y'all know that Aaron is the one who made the golden calf for mm -hmm. the people to worship? Mm -hmm. That if God, Moses had done it God's way, Aaron would not have been in a place of authority to make that golden calf and turn all of those people away. That's years later yep. in the journey, right? But I think that what you said is so good is that I've got to acknowledge, and, and this is where I think real spiritual growth goes, is that when I can say, God, today, I don't want what you want, mm. but I love you enough that I'm willing to submit and allow the Holy Spirit to bring my heart into what you want. And how do you do that? Through consistency. Through consistency. That's, 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 what, that's when he says you have, need, you have need of patience. It's through consistency. Which goes right into number three. Yeah. We must align ourselves with the scriptures governing our issues. We must align ourselves with the scriptures governing our issues. What does it say? Romans 12 and 2. Y'all know this is one of our favorite scriptures at this church. Be ye transformed. Be not conformed to this world. Don't do it the way that the world does it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Baby, I like this translation mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. It says, so that when I renew my mind, I can discern the will of God. I have to be able to discern between the will of Sean, the will of the devil, and the will of God. And that's the problem. Most people take their will and they make it what God said. Well. And if you do that, then you end up following after your own will, thinking you're following after the will of God. Because you haven't conformed or transformed your mind or your way of thinking. You have to transform your mind so that you align, so that you can align yourself with scripture. I think that one of my favorite stories about this is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, because we got to align ourselves. And Jesus is constantly teaching his disciples how to align themselves with the word, right? Mm -hmm. He's telling them, how do you get rid of demons? How do you, how do you cast out uh, devils? How do you heal the sick? How do you raise the dead? He's trying to get them to align with scripture. And at that time, he That's was good. the scripture. That's good. He was the scripture. That's he was good. trying to get them to align. And so as in Matthew chapter nine, verse 28 and 29, he says this, it says, as Jesus left the house, he was followed by two blind men crying out saying, mercy, Son of David, have mercy on us. It says, when Jesus got home, uh, the blind men went in with him. And Jesus said to them, do you really believe I can do this? And they said, while master, yes. He says, he touched their eyes and he said to them, and I love this part, become what you believe. Become what you believe. Become what you believe. And then it says, it happened. He says, become what you believe. He says, 
in essence, align yourself to scripture. Now to them, he was talking to them, right? He was the word made flesh. He says, align yourself to me. You ask me, can I heal you? I ask you, do you believe I can do it? You say, yes, I believe you can do it. I say to you, then become it. Become what you believe. Align yourself to scripture. And so we must align ourselves to the scripture governing our issues. If I need healing, what does the scripture say about healing? If I need deliverance, what does the scripture say about deliverance? If I need joy, what does the scripture say about receiving joy? If I need to exercise my faith, what does the scripture say about exercising my faith? Whatever so it good. is that I need, That's I so need good. to align myself to that scripture because I then become what I behold. Now, I want to give people a practical example. When we were in the period where we were adamant about moving, okay? Now, first of all, what happened is we grew up enough and then the Lord said, there is a certain point you go get to move and I'm mm -hmm. going to let you move, right? So, but there was something very different about us based on how we were wired, right? When you really were passionate about moving and you wanted to move right mm -hmm. then, you could not look at houses other places because it made you disgruntled. Right. But looking at houses other places made me hopeful. Mm -hmm. It is very important that you know yourself well enough to know. So I went through a period of time. You said to me, you said, I can't do this. Right. Don't you don't, don't, send, don't me, send me another house in Atlanta, send, Georgia. Don't send me another house where I could use the houses for motivation. And so some of it is understanding that even though you're married, you may not be able to how you keep your faith and your hope and yourself aligned yeah. may not look the same. Yeah. It may not look the same. And so I honored you enough. That if you sent me a house, I looked at it, but I sent the houses to other people mm -hmm. and because now we're at a place that we both can say, hey, you like this bathroom? You like this kitchen? You like this? Because there was something else, right? We must understand, I love what Pastor Ralph said, our own criteria for maintaining faith. Yes. Now, on the other side of that, when we start talking about increasing wealth, it does not help me to see things. That, that like, so when we're talking about increasing wealth, right? And like, it doesn't help me maintain my faith to go, oh, if I had a billion dollars, what would I do? Mm -hmm. it, it, where would I five, have five houses? That's not what helps me. What helps me is to look at the numbers, to break down the numbers and to look at what I'm doing to see how I can scale to that point. So also in being relationship with people, it's important for us to know ourselves so we can communicate with each other how to help each other stay in faith. Does that make sense, mm -hmm. you guys? So we, if we're going to help each other, I got to know that when Pastor Elwin is trying to obey God in the area, I can't really talk to him a lot about the future of this thing. But I also have to know but that talking about the future of the thing is the thing that really helps me, right? So this is so important. We, gotta, we must align ourselves with the scriptures governing our issues. And then number four, this is so important, guys. We must ask God for our next steps and respect the natural order of things. Mm -hmm. This is so good. Psalms 37 and 23, it says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. He, the man. 
He the man. The light is <laughs> in his way. He, God's, God's way. Yes. Right? Isaiah 30 and 21, it says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. I love this scripture right here because what this scripture says to us, it says that God wants to lead us. It says you'll hear a word behind you telling you this is the way that you should go, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of times we don't ask for natural order. I was talking to a couple of people last um, last week. And let me tell you something. When God shows you your next, it's important that you stay in step with him. Mm-hmm. Because when God shows you your next, it can be so real to you. And if you're not careful, you will get out of order. Tell your neighbor, stay in order. You so know, when, I, I, when I was reading this, I'm sorry. Uh, when I was reading Isaiah 30, 21, and it, and it says, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. One of the things I heard Holy Spirit said is that's why you can't get ahead of God. That's why you got to be careful not to get ahead of what God is telling you. Because God is, 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 he's leading us, but he's also directing us. He's leading us where to go. And then he's literally standing behind us, telling us the steps that we should take. But so many times God will tell us to do something. And before we even go and ask God for our next steps, we just take off doing what we know to do in our human function. We just take off doing what we know to do in our educational levels. We just take off and do what we've seen somebody else do. And it's like, no, you need to stop and ask God, what is your next step so that you can stay in step and stay in order? He says, listen to this word behind you, telling you what way you should go and the way you should walk in. So everybody just stop right now and say, what's my next step? I don't need five steps down the road. So I was saying to some people, you need to slow down because you're so ahead of God. And I know you're ahead of God by the amount of stress you feel right now. Mm -hmm. And the uncertainty about your decision. And the uncertainty because you're you're trying to force. Let me tell you something. I want y'all to hear me. There is nothing, nothing that God has ever called you to do that you got to force to make work. No. You don't have to force it to make work. I asked God, what's my next step about? I won't say everything. Almost everything. Almost everything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'll, I'll, and I, and I, I will make a plan, and then say, okay, God, here's my plan. What you want me to do? Because I need, I, 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 I want to show up with, with a plan. But God, you, you have the authority to move these pieces any way you want to, you know. But this just helps somebody get better at their job, okay? Mm-hmm. At the level of my job, I present a plan. Mm-hmm. I then bring the plan to the CEO and founder mm-hmm. and say, is this the way it should be done? I allow him to make whatever tweaks that he needs to make, right? And I don't get offended when he moves something out of the order that I thought it should be because I understand this, that the CEO has a vision that I don't have, Yeah. Right. So some of you need to release this idea that if you came up with a plan and wrote something down on a piece of paper or you think that this is the order that because you think this is the order, that's what God is obligated Mm -hmm. to bless. You need to understand. I was thinking about this, babe. This is so beautiful. In the beginning, when we first got together, okay, it was always kind of the thing that I was going to make the majority of the money and you were going to be in Mm -hmm. education, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there were things God needed to fix before that could be a reality. The truth of it is, is that if I had made the money then, 
we done destroyed our marriage. We 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 done told that fact, babe. We 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 done blew that thing up. So God said, You heard right, it's just not the time. Mm. So then there were things he needed to do to get us to this point because there was going to come a point where you were going to retire so you could do the next thing that God wanted you to do so that you could dream the dream that God had for you. But God cares more about our souls and our destiny than he does us having the stealth Mm -hmm. and the accolades, right? So it is important for us to learn the timing of God. The truth of it is, is that God needed to break the thing in me that would have been arrogant about making more money. Mm. Now I can just say that. Mm. Now I wouldn't have known that at the time because we all be thinking more highly of ourselves than we Mm -hmm. ought to. But he needed to break the thing in me that would have any arrogance about having more money than you did. Mm. And so he was like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. And then when your heart is in the right place, I'm going to put things in the order. And I think if people would just admit that, man, listen, I'm growing and becoming. I got some ways. I got some things that I have learned. I got some things that have been set up in my life that don't align with who God is calling me to do. And God cares more about my character than he cares about me actually getting the goal. Amen. You look like you want to say something smart over there, though. But I'm not. But I'm not. I am not. We are doing well. So I'm not. But if I was going to say something. What would you say? I would say, so what I heard you say was, you've been holding up our prosperity. But 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 that ain't what you said. So let's go. Saints. Saints. It's the grown, but it's the growing and becoming, That's right? True. That's it's true. the growing and becoming. And how many of us have wanted something and we wanted it outside of the time? That's true. Right? It's like, you know, we want this thing, and this thing actually comes from God. Mm-hmm. But the way we would do it would bring destruction. Yeah, absolutely. And how many of us have brought destruction to our own lives because we were adamant about having what God said outside of His time? You know, I think that, and you know, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball to know that, but I, but what I know about going against what God's told you, how that turns out for people, I can say with a, a great degree of confidence. Had we just put through and move when we wanted to move, we wouldn't be sitting here together today. Not together. Not today. Now, we might both have a church somewhere. <laughs> and maybe we'll God be broadcasting. And we might be broke, <laughs> but we wouldn't be here together. with each other. Yeah. We, 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 we wouldn't be here together. Right. So God, God knows what you can handle and God knows what you're prepared for. And like any good father, I wouldn't give my car keys to my five-year-old and tell them to go to the store. Right. But once I have taught my kids responsibility, once I've taught them how to drive, when I taught them about safety and they've driven some, now I don't mind telling them to go to the store and get me something. Right. Because I'm not putting them in danger. And the same thing with God. He's not trying to give us something that we desire that he may even desire for us at the wrong time. So I think your your thing about timing was good. So what I hear you saying is that a delay is often God's protection. It is. A delay is often God's protection, right? And so you're fighting God over the delay, trying to bully your way, trying to temper tantrum yourself in the delay, but the delay is actually for your own protection. And here's a good example. How many of you thought you could drive because you watched your parents drive? Mm -hmm. Uh, How many of you thought you could drive? You thought driving was easy. 
and you thought you really, really, really knew how to drive, right? And because, and, and then you got over there and you found out it really wasn't that easy to know when to, to not be stumping the brake and stumping the gas and almost hitting the mailbox and all of that different and, stuff. And you, have to, you actually have to slow down two turns. You have to slow <laughs> down two turns, right? And so the thing is, is that there are sometimes all of our kids have wanted to take their car further than we were comfortable with them mm -hmm. taking their car. That wasn't because we didn't want them to have a good time. It was that we understood things about driving that they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And so the job was to keep them safe. So can I offer you this right here? Can you stop fighting God when all God is trying to do is get you to your expected yep. end? Mm -hmm. Can you stop fighting God? Can you stop complaining? Can you stop murmuring? Can you stop rehearsing what you think he took from you? Can you stop fighting God when all God is trying to do is get you to the destination safely? Amen. 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 Now, so, so again, we're talking about our mindset, right? So that we can have this thought process, this believing prayerfulness for God's guidance. God says, I'm going to guide you. He says, here are the actions I take for God to guide me. But along the way, I got to have the right mindset too, yes. or I'll stop doing the actions. Yes. And so we say that we must acknowledge the preeminence of God, that we must affirm to God our dependence on him for scriptural guidance, that we must align ourselves with the scripture governing our issues and that we must ask God for our next steps and respect the natural order of things. And then the fifth thing is that we must allow the peace of God to be our confirming witness. Uh, Joshua put this in the thing just a few minutes ago. He said, Pastor Edwin once said, uh, if, the, if, if, if I don't have peace about it, it's not from God. We have to learn that when we are doing things mm. for God, mm. that doesn't mean it's easy, but there is a peace. Mm. The, the, the confirming word uses the word an ease, an ease will come upon you. There's a peace that comes up on you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter four, verse six through seven, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. He says there are some prerequisites to experiencing the peace of God. Number one, stop worrying. What did God say? Okay. No matter what the situation looks like, pray about everything. Okay. What does that mean? I communicate to God about everything. I tell God how I feel. I want I, God tell me what you want and desire though. And then I tell God what I need and then I thank him in advance for it being done. Right. He says, then you'll experience God's peace, which will exceed anything we can even understand. That means that in the midst of a trial, you won't have any stress or struggle. You will be at peace. People will be like, how can you rest? How can you sleep? How can you not lose your mind? My head would be falling out. I would be losing weight if I was going through that. But when you have the peace of God, he said, you're going to experience it. And it's going to exceed anything that you can even understand. It says his peace will do what? Guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And so it's so important that you understand how to receive God's peace about it. If you don't have there, there are things in my life that I don't know whether I should do them or not do them. They're not illegal. They're not immoral. It's like neither one of them are going to cause me to 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 be incarcerated or or, or, or to or to be out of bounds where, where my morality is concerned. But I don't know which one to do. 
So God, which one do you want me to do? The one that I get the most, the one I get the peace about, that's the one that I settle into. Because I don't know that I'm going to be 100% right all the time. But what I know is if I'm always trying to please God and I get peace about it, even if I need to turn around and do something different, God's going to be with me when I do it. And it can be something small. It can be like, I remember just before the pandemic um, started that I was getting ready to buy a car. Yeah. I needed a car because Caleb was going to take my car back to school during spring break, right? And we had test we had test driven this car, and um, we were we had made a decision on that Sunday that we would go buy the car on Monday. We got credit, we got money, we don't have any issues getting this car. When I woke up the next morning, the first thing the Lord said to me is, "Do not buy that car." He said, "Do not buy any car." When you woke up, I said, the Lord told me, do not buy that car. You said, and this is the kind of people you need in your life. If the Lord said, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't need people in your lifetime. Well, well, BJ, well, why would the Lord, why would, listen, the Lord said, don't buy the car. The interest rate's so good right now. The interest rate's the so Lord good right said, now. Don't buy. The Lord said, don't buy the car. But that land may not be available next this time, next month, but the Lord said, don't do it. The Lord said, don't do it. The very next week yep. the the nation got shut down with the pandemic now if somebody had told us the week prior even if the lord had said to me hey the week sean the next week the world is going to get shut down with a pandemic first of all i wouldn't even know what that looked like because i've never lived through a pandemic <laughs> right, before right? right i'd have been like what does that even right. mean right but for four months the boys came home for spring break everybody's at home they, they never go a, back they, they end up being at home over a year and literally for what 90 days no one's car moves really but yours because yeah. you're the one who because that's at the time when they was asking that only one, one person, person would go out and get the groceries and make the pickups right and listen some people don't know because they just kept living life but oh, yeah what, they what, did. but what they, they what they did ask people to do that what 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 the law i mean what the government authorities had asked was that everybody didn't go to the right. store the store as a family that only one person went that's what it said and so what it happened for us is is that we did did what god said and i and, and we would be walking and we would both say, do you know how aggravated we would be to be paying a car note on a car that we not even moving and driving anywhere? Yep. God saved all that money. Now, here's the other thing. What did God do with that money? That money became the tool to help many people during the yep. pandemic because yep. God already knows what he's going to do. Yep. And then a year and a half later, when God, when I do get a car, I end up getting a car that I love so much more than the original car that I was going to settle for because Caleb needed a car. I'm telling you guys, I love what Kim said. Mm -hmm. Can y'all just stop and take 13 <laughs> seconds and praise God? We lived. You lived, you lived through a pandemic. Millions of people did not we live. We lived through a pandemic, but baby. we lived through it. We lived through a pandemic. We lived through a whole pandemic. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. If, he, as the old folks say, if you want to be, be kept, kept, if you want to be kept. Well, if you got enough praying, folks, he'll keep you when you don't want to be kept. Yeah, sure the way he be running interference <laughs> and blocking things up in your life. But there's that. No, but I'm saying to you guys, 
There are things you're fighting God about and in your surrender, you would get there so much faster and you would be so much more prepared because I think the other thing that God saved me from is the only way that I knew how to build money was from toll. Mm -hmm. So I would have been an attorney like many of my friends working 80, 90, 100 mm -hmm. hours. I'd have made a lot of money, but I'd have missed most of the yep. kids' events. Yep. I wouldn't have been present. We certainly wouldn't have had the marriage that we have right now. So then God says, if you do it my way, I'm going to do it for you in a way that doesn't steal anything from your life. Mm -hmm. God wants to do it for you in a way that doesn't steal anything from your life, that the enemy doesn't steal, kill, and destroy you. Somebody ought to just receive that right now in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen, the last scripture we'll use for today, we'll come back next week. We have a few more of these mindset principles, but we'll come back. We'll share them uh, in the... Uh, early morning broadcast that we'll do before our uh, huddle next okay, week. Okay. Um, but that last scripture we'll use today is from 2 Thessalonians 3.16, talking about how we allow the peace of God to be our confirming witness. It says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The, the scripture confirms for us it's the will of God to give us peace. But in order to receive that peace, babe, we have to partner with God. We have to see things God's way and we have to be willing to have a mindset to know that following God pays off. Following God pays off. And so um, we talked about those five things. We actually have five more. We'll come back and we'll share those on, on next Sunday. But I really want you to just, number one, I want you to get it. You got to make God first over everything. Preeminent. Got to make God first over everything else. And maybe some of you want to make a decision today because you realize that maybe you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior, but you've never made him number mm -hmm. one. You've never made him never number one. Your desires are number one. People's opinions are number one. Your aspirations, your flesh. But now you're saying, man, I want to give you my whole mm -hmm. life and teach me how to live in this way with your guidance, right? And I, if that's so, you just need to say, maybe you want to accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe you want to come back home. You know, we are living in an era where there are so many believers that are non-believing believers, like you're living your own way. Come back home. It's good over here. Mm -hmm. It's good over mm -hmm. here. So if that's you, you should just put in the comments, man, I want to come home. Man, I want to take my life. I believe one of the simplest prayers that anybody can pray is to say, I believe in Jesus. Take my life and do something with take it. My life take my life and do something with it. And now it's your opportunity to give, but I need everybody who's on the broadcast, 81 of y'all, look at y'all. Y'all went and found some more people. I need everybody to put in the comments, testify. Mm -hmm. Put in the comments, testify. I love that. I see all these comments. People saying, I don't know if you told them to say that or somebody just said, following God pays off. It sure does. Following God, following pays, God off. pays off. Following God pays mm -hmm. off. Following yes, God pays off. Following God pays off. But I need y'all to put testify in the comments. I need to give you a testimony because I think it's so important that we keep talking about all the good things that God is doing through Fellowship of Champions, through our partners, through us all this different stuff. And so we're going to just give you a testimony. Last week, we talked about the man at the restaurant. This week, we're going to talk about paying off somebody's school balance. Amen. So the other day, we get a, I, one of my kids reaches out to me, says, hey, mom, I got a friend. They got a problem. They don't have enough money to go back to school. And, and we're trying to keep them in the school. And he he says, can you look at this GoFundMe? I go to this GoFundMe, y'all. This GoFundMe has been up for 24 hours. It doesn't have one 
donation given to it. I literally respond back to my, my son and say, hey, you ain't gave yet? And he was like, I'm going to give, but I needed to tell you because you got to know who can make something happen, right? So I'm looking at the thing. I'm telling the story. I'm listening. I'm reading the boy, of the boy's story. I'm reading his story. And I say, get him on FaceTime and we want to talk to him. I say, babe, we need to talk to this young man. Let's find out what's going on with him. All of these different things. And we find out it was just a, a series of unfortunate events that come from not having financial resources. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. It's, the kid wasn't a bad kid. He doesn't come from a bad home. But if you don't have money, there are things that have are been making good grades, have been making good grades, good student, respectful. But there are things that if you don't have money, that they will be withheld from you. And so it has started last semester. His financial aid was late. And now colleges have this thing very different from when we was in school, yeah. that if your financial aid isn't there, even if they know it's coming, if you don't pay the money, they drop you from class. And let me say this for those of you who may have nieces, nephews, cousins, people out there who may hear this story. It may not resonate as truth with you because that hasn't that wasn't how schools used to do it. The way a lot of schools used to do it is if they could see if your bill was ten thousand dollars and they knew you had $8,000 in financial aid coming, they would memo your account. That means they would credit your account 8,000 and your bill would be two. You could then work out a payment plan for the two. Most schools are now not memoing people's accounts. And so what they're saying is, is okay, if you owe $10,000, then you need to pay us 2,500, even though we know that your financial aid's coming in, we need this much from you by X date. And if we don't get it, typically it's early in the semester, you know, uh, then they drop, they are literally taking kids' classes from them. In some cases, in this young man's case, happened last semester, he needed to pay a certain amount to secure his housing. Well, his financial aid was going to cover all his housing, but even though they knew that, they still wanted him to pay this certain amount. He didn't have it at the time to pay it out of his pocket. So they took housing. So then when his financial aid came in, they said, okay, you can have housing, but guess what? We don't have any more housing available. So now you got a kid who is hundreds and thousands of miles from home sometimes, some cases, they don't have a place to live. And I mean, for me, I grew up in Conway. I went to UCA at first and I didn't live on campus. Housing wasn't a thing that I even understood about, right? And so what happened was, in order to stay in school, he found somebody to live with, but they was 30 miles from, 30 minutes from the school. He didn't have a car. So then because he didn't have a car and he was trying to pay uh, his fees, he started working two jobs. Well, now he's trying to juggle two jobs, 18 hours of school. He's maintaining, but at some place he got to make a decision. Do I go to work or do I go to school? And after that, anybody knows, it just started to snowball. And he was trying to get a ride. And, and I'm, I mean, people go, well, why didn't he get an Uber? Why didn't he get a Lyft? It cost money for that. He was working to pay for school, you know? And so it just became the series of unfortunate events that led him to this semester where he had a previous balance and they were doing the same thing again with financial aid. So when we're talking to him, he says this thing that at this moment, we know we're going to help yep. him. He said even though they dropped my classes, 
I took a screenshot of my schedule yep. and I could be going to class anyway. He said, because I was, he said, he said, I was dedicated to not getting behind. If, if I, if I could get back in school, he said, I didn't know how, but I wasn't going to be behind. When he said that, now, if you know anything about me and strict, if you show us some relentlessness, baby, tell us what you need. So his immediate need was $2,200. Yep. One of the reasons I think every one of you should surrender to God, begin to tithe and give and do what he's telling you to do is because you have to make a decision to be unapologetically wealthy yep. because there is a time in our life that no matter how much we wanted to, we could not have given that boy $2,200. We just couldn't have. We just couldn't have. And well intentions don't help people. It sure don't. Not the financial aid office. Not the financial aid office. So we went in immediately and paid the $2,200, mm -hmm. which was the last semester balance. Yes. Which then got and his late book fee and his late book fee, which then, but he still needed sixty five hundred dollars mm -hmm. to catch up. Mm -hmm. So Pastor Edwin says we could pay it. Praise God, we could pay it. Somebody need to take that by faith that yeah. you'll be able to say I can pay it. We could pay it. He said, but I believe that people on Facebook need to understand how powerful we are if we work together. Mm -hmm. So he made a post. I made a post. We didn't make it till 10.35 that night. That's when you made it. I think yeah. it was 10.32. It was late. Yeah. It was 10.32. And people asked, why didn't you tag me? Why didn't you tell me? Well, part of it was, is that honestly, I know what, what Fellowship of Champions will do. I know what Soul Shift Inner Circle will do. Baby. But the Lord said, there are people out there who, if you tell them what's going on, will help this young man. And it's not just about helping them. It's showing people what we can do if we collectively work together. If we collectively work so together. So that's why I didn't tag anybody in it. I just posted. And so that's why you should keep the notification on for your pastor too, though. There's a plug right there. Um. So anyway, then what ends up happening is that by midnight, in 90 minutes, we have $3,000. Yeah. In 90 minutes, we have $3,000. I say, we'll have all the money by in the morning. Don't even worry about it. So don't worry about it, sweetheart. We're going to have all the money. In the morning, we get up. When I wake up the next morning, people are texting me. They're like, hey, what's the balance? Because I will finish it, right? So I wake babe up. Wake you know, me up. Because, you know, retired people don't <laughs> act like they should get up in the morning. I wake retired him up. Retired people don't have an alarm clock. <laughs> I, I wake him up and I say, babe, people are waiting to know what the balance is. And when you picked up the phone, the balance was met plus some overage. Yeah. So we immediately decided we would use the overage for next semester because we can predict based on the last semesters, the same issue is going to happen. I also told people, I made a post and said, hey, we, stop we wrecked the bell, stop giving. And I had so many people say, nope, I'm not going to stop giving. I need to be a part of this. So somebody, even when I woke up this morning, had gave again. So the, you know, the post, both posts are up. The one that says we we need and the other post that says we met. Uh, but if you still want to sow into this young man, you are more than welcome to. Uh, people were talking about trying to get him a car. I kind of put a pause on that because, you know, we I didn't know whether he had a driver's license. I didn't know whether he had insurance, whether he could pay the insurance. You know, and it's Atlanta. That's a hot spot for scammers when it comes to uh, everything, every, especially driving insurance and all that. So I said, hold on. You know, what we'll do is we'll work with his mom and, and, and you know, we'll figure out what needs to happen. Um, but but we want you to know uh, his his bill is paid. I had people who reached out to me uh, 
several people reached out, in fact, and said, hey, my child is going through this. I want you to know I'm so glad y'all were able to help. And I and I reached back out to people and said, do you need help? And they were like, no, no, no. We were able to pay our fee. I just want you to know that it is true. That's what schools are starting to do now. Because I was like, are they, are they doing something to this young man? Because that just didn't make sense to me. But I guess that's just the new, it's the new way that they're offering. And many people who work in colleges have told me that. Yeah. They've said this is the new way. But so fast forward. So people are sending money to you. But then people who are familiar are sending money to me. So I end up with a thousand dollars and the Lord says, give it to his mother, mm -hmm. give it to his mother. So I reach out to him. I say, send me your mother's cash out. And when his mother called me, I've, I had never spoken to his mother. before, And I had only spoken to her the night before to get some information about his accounts and stuff. So I took the money that people sent to me and I sent it to her. It was a thousand dollars. When she calls me, honest to goodness, she is crying so hard. But I want y'all to lean in and listen to this. This is why we do what we do. This is why wealth and riches must be in our house. She was crying so hard. And the first thing she says is, it's too much. Y'all say testify. And I say, it's not too much. I said, everybody needs help sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this is what she said. She said, she just kept saying to the Lord, can I get a little help? She said to me, she said, when your child has a need and there's absolutely nothing you can do to help, she said it eats at you. Yeah. She said it eats at you. And I said to the Lord, can I just get a little help? Mm -hmm. I got teary when listening to her say it. And I said, well, look how he came through. He gave you a lot of help. And she began to tell me how her son was a good kid and how his father had passed and how one of the reasons that her son wouldn't say how much trouble he was in is because she has two other younger kids and the son didn't want to add anything. And I just thought there are a lot of people you can resonate yep. to with yep. that. You can resonate with that story. Right. And so. And she was I didn't know. She was paying so that he could stay in school. She was paying six fifty a month for him to live in a house that was thirty minutes away from the campus, at, with with someone who had four or five other people living in this house, and he's trying to get a ride back and forth. And, and the fact that he was able to even stay in school is a testament, because a lot of people just would have went home or dropped out. But he was like, no, I've got to stay in school. He said, because I need to be able to help my mom with my little brothers and sisters. And I was like, man, listen, whatever I can do to help. The fact that you kept, you did all of that, oh, I'll help you. And I want to say this. That's one of the reasons that you got to be careful. Now, I know you want to sow into the kingdom this morning. I know you do. So you, they're going to put the giving things up that you can sow. But I want to tell you that this is so important, guys. It is the reason that we must not buy into the rhetoric that everyone who is struggling is struggling because they are bad managers right. and they don't work That's hard. Right. That is a lot that of capitalism right. yep. that keeps us divided mm -hmm. and keeps us in a place where it's like they are struggling because they are bad money managers. In fact, if you look at most people in poverty, they are excellent money managers because their ability to do what they do with so little yes. is freaking amazing yes. what they can do. Yes. And so I want to encourage you when you're looking at people's situation and you go, why are they in that situation? And, and it's one of the reasons that Pastor Edwin and I, we don't teach cutback theology. No. We teach 
increase because when you're telling people who already have have cut back everything to cut back what can you cut back when right. you've already cut back everything right. Right. and so she was so tremendously blessed and and then and then my son texted me and he said you know thank you and i said it's not just us it's god and it's all of the partners. Mm -hmm. But 2 Corinthians 9 tells us that when we give to others, they will give thanksgiving. They will give thanksgiving to God. Mm -hmm. This family now knows that God cares about them in a way that they did not know before. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm telling you guys that one of the reasons, because I need you to be very clear. That one of the reasons we press so hard about being a wealthy people and a wealthy and we church, make no apologies about it. We make no we make apologies zero about apolog it. And if you, zero. And if that if it zero. bothers you, then you have to determine whether this is a place you can stand or not. But we what we know is that uh, it, it is better to have and be able to help than to want to help and not have. And I said the Lord told me the other day. He said the challenge for a lot of our people is that you know how to help from lack. Yeah. You grew up in families that help from lack. You got a big mama, auntie, a mama who would always do. Now it's time to learn to help from abundance. And that is the reason we need God's guidance. So when God is saying, now is the time for the new job, now is the time yeah. to buy the rental property, now is the time to invest, that we don't have any fear coming back. Because I'm telling you, um. Caleb said something to us when he was home for Christmas that blessed me so much. He said, the thing that I love about you guys is that your prosperity is never about the next big thing you can get. Yeah, yeah. It's like the truth of it is we like nice stuff. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Sure. We like nice stuff. But when we get to thinking about the ability that we help this young man stay in college when we get to thinking about the fact that we were able to help somebody not get evicted and pay for us personally that is doper than any purse that is doper than any pair of shoes that is doper than any of the other stuff that people brag about right it is that you made a difference in somebody's life that changed the trajectory of their life and showed them that God loved them. So I need to know who is committed. I see all of y'all stayed for this story, this testimony. I need to know who is committed, who has made a decision. Because maybe before now, you just said, I'm okay with being blessed enough for my family. But I need to know who's made the decision. No, I'm going to be unapologetically wealthy. Which is I'm, really selfish, if you think really, about it. it I, really is I don't, we don't have time to get into all of this. But it's really selfish to think, I just want to have enough for me and my family. Because... What you're saying is, I want enough to help me and my family. I don't want to have more where I have to be able to help somebody else. And I know we don't mean it that way, but that really is what happens when you say, I just need enough for me. No, God, God, you can make me the man. I want to have enough for me and my family. I want enough to have enough for my neighbors. I want to have enough for the stranger. I want to have enough to give into every good uh, thing you tell me to give into. Yes. And I still want to have more. Yes. And there's nothing yes. wrong with that. And, that, and, and if wealth is going to be in somebody's hands, the picture that kept coming to me, and uh, excuse me, I've never really thought about her before until Friday morning. He, it's, it's the anointing that's on Mackenzie Scott. 
that literally as soon as the money she gives the money out the money comes back in and the lord was saying that's the anointing he wants to put on every single one of us that literally the money it's like you can't distribute it fast enough before more comes in but i love something that latonya jackson just said you realize that all of these stories that we talk about all the people we've helped throughout the years and you know what's been such a blessing to me babe the people that have come back and said 15 years ago, you helped me with something mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. 12 years ago, you helped me with something like this. Because we've been doing it a while. Because we've been doing this a long time. But Latanya just said that when we do this, we help people keep their dignity. Mm -hmm. We help people keep, we, so we show people the love of God and we help them keep their dignity, yep. right? So listen, if you weren't a tither, this is 100% tithing church. I know you want to be a tither in a ministry like this because the same grace for wealth that's on our life is on your life, right? And so we want to encourage you to get involved in the giving that's going on here. I, you know, I'm going to keep saying this until we have the numbers for 2022. But in They're coming. You should have them next week. In 2021, our, our benevolence giving was over $200,000. That means that we are very intentionally taking the money that comes into this ministry and putting it out to help people. And we help as led by the Lord. Mm -hmm. We do what the Lord tells us to do. Both internally and externally. Internally and externally. You want to be a part of what's going on here. You can you give, give the faith, give the fire and push pay. This is important. Which one now lets you cover the fees? Because um, you were going to talk about yeah. that. So if you have been using um, push pay, which I do use push pay sometimes. I'm a big giveify person. But if you have been using push pay and the majority of you do, you can now see when you decide to give, there's the option that you can cover the fee. What does that mean? That means that when you give to push pay, because of the convenience it allows you, they charge you, I think it's 30 cents a transaction and like depending on if you use ACH or credit card or debit card, another small percentage of the fee, right? That's the money that they take and then they give the ministry the rest. We don't have a problem with that because these platforms allow us to reach all across the world and, and that's fine. But if you say, I am willing to cover that 30 cents and that whatever small fee, you can push the button and it will show you the, the cost of covering that fee. So let's say you wanted to give $100 and cover the fee. That means the entire $100 comes to the ministry as opposed to $96 and some change or whatever the case be, $97, $98 and change, whatever it is. Not telling you you have to do that, but it is an option on uh, push pay now. And, and if you decided that you wanted to text to give using push pay, they do have a way to do that. Um, I, it's not up there yet, so I won't even I won't even put it up there. And I know Pastor Sean loves her tithely texting to give. So for right now, if you want to text to give, just stick with the 833-969-0897 number. Text the word give. And I think after you've done it the first time, you can just text give and it'll allow you to give your amount. I just want to say this as we get ready to close, guys. <laughs> I want to say this, that you guys, I tried to get y'all to come over there and tithely with me because we've been covering the fees over there on tithely, okay? Amen. I mean, I know that y'all wanted to stay over there where y'all were on y'all different platforms, but push pay is late to the party. Um, so over here, the tithely givers, we've been covering fees, okay? Amen. Because I want my church or wherever I give to get the entire amount so that they can do more good. But you know what? You know, I understand, <laughs> right? Listen, we're going to see you next Sunday. 
We're going to see you next Sunday live. Many of you, you're going to get on planes, trains, and automobiles, and you're going to make your way. There are some of you live in Arkansas. You have never made your way up here, but I want to call you out because you have traveled to games. You have traveled to concerts. You have done all kind of stuff. Now, I'm going to challenge you next Sunday morning to get in your vehicle and make your way up to Northwest Arkansas to be a part of the huddle because it's going to be amazing. And what the kids say, period, ooh, period, ah, whatever they say. Period. Yeah, right we love you guys listen live right do what we're do the things you're supposed to do keep your commitments see you in all the activities this week grow and become and listen whatever is standing between you and god god being first place in your life then what i want you to do is i want you to evict, evict that and to eradicate that so you can live in victory and we love you have an amazing week amen